Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the kettle brand potato chips of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. Death Metal Podcaster, reacts to Eric Clapton. And I'm the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Please don't. <laughs> it's... No, man, it's going to be, you know, we'll have the thumbnail where it's just my face with this, like, big surprised expression mm-hmm. about how into those tasty Clapton licks I'm actually getting as a death metal guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I should do one that's like that, but it's all just like, I hate this. This fucking sucks. Black metal fan here is Sweet Home Alabama for the first time. Like, <laughs> it fucking blows. No blast beats, no epic yeah. tremolo riffs. <laughs> yeah. black, black metal fan reacts to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> well, there's this. The, I, I remember on metal forums back in the day, there would all, be all this weird kind of social positioning among people who wanted to be like forward thinking, where they would they would throw out there. You know, I listen to a lot of stuff that isn't even metal. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jokes, like, on, jokes on them. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I, that is something that's actually changed because I remember like in the. Like, the mid-2000s, there were still people who were like, I really just listened to Iron Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) So I I guess it's better in some way that we can talk about other shit, but on the other hand, I kind of miss that vibe, you know? I mean, when you've got Iron Maiden, what else do you need? Exactly, it's like, it's like Sarkrista with Sargeist, it's like, I don't understand the question, I've already found the best music, why would I do anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, man, good day today, I went kayaking with the wife, and, uh... Yeah, dude, how was, how was the kayak? Uh, it was nice, it was extremely hot out, but it was alright, and, uh... Lots of wildlife, including a lot of uh, kind of water snakes today, which kind of took me by surprise. You know, I haven't seen a lot of those lately. What were they? Which way were they slithering? Uh, one, well, one slithered towards me until he conked his head on my kayak, and then he turned around. I felt kind of bad for him. And the others were just slithering about, you know, looking for, you know, whatever they can find. How? What, what size are we talking Oh, probably uh, four feet, maybe five feet for the biggest one that I saw. That's uh, that is not insignificant. No, yeah, yeah, no. It was uh, I, the first one that like. Why? Why did you let that one get so close to your? Why didn't you conk that motherfucker with your oar? To... No, yeah, the the one that conked its head into my kayak. I I did get concerned because I had literally just taken off in the kayak. You know, I had gone mm-hmm. maybe a, a hundred yards. And then the <laughs> first thing that happens is a goddamn river snake just steers his way right towards my boat. And I'm just like, you can't fucking, you cannot tell me that at the very beginning of my kayak experiments, I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to deal with this. But Ch- we take it you weren't doing a lot of Eskimo rolls. No, no, I've, I've, no, this is my first time kayaking ever, so I was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, stay in the kayak. Yeah, but no, I uh, liked it a lot. Very tranquil out there, you know, on the river, and uh, it's uh, getting, getting, getting back in touch with my pagan roots. You know, the sea is calling my name. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the squiggly snakes. 
And the squiggly snakes. <laughs> <coughs> oh, shit. Uh, pretty fucking really good show tonight. I really like all the records. But uh, I think yeah, you, got some sh- you got some shout-outs for the co-prosperity sphere, right? Oh, yeah, just just basic stuff. Um, was thinking, yeah, so as far as news, we don't have any big stuff to play you today. Uh, but just um, updates. If you haven't heard, there is a... Uh, Great new record out by a uh, Pennsylvania black metal, P-A-B-M, outfit called Doppelaxed. That is is in, like, double axe or big ol' bad boy axe. Um, so D-O-P-P-E-L-A-X-T. Um, like Doppelbach, but with an axe. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's basically like, uh, kind of like What If Graveland, but fast. Very punky, uh great great drumming um so highly recommend we'll we'll review it in the the reviews the eps and demos thing but thought you should know it's out if you haven't already heard it i believe it is on the greg greg beal channel i would be surprised if it wasn't just double checking and it is also on bandicamp uh yeah it is it's called kill the opposition um in in addition to that we got uh Oh yeah, some new releases from Nitstang, that's N-I-T-H-S-T-A-N-G, obviously. Uh, putting out a couple things that we've we've covered uh, by, um, what's the first one? Uh, Serpent, Serpent Dweller, uh, new Serpent Dweller, and also, uh, this is what I get for not not having i had that window open and then we had to restart (laughs) um okay yeah and for and a so yeah tapes of the uh, serpent dweller demo also a tape of the sylvan throne forbidden pathways to ancient wisdom full length um and also a tape of the sandworm kukalimoko split uh i don't really know either of those bands well but i think those are both kind of like american i beat bands that is just like hardcore ill jarn uh noise black i i do like the idea of a black metal band called sandworm though so i might have to check that out yeah for sure (laughs) all right so uh real quick before we get into our roundup for today uh, you know what i love uh it's the as someone who's not involved in the stock market it's the satisfaction of seeing big line go up but for me it's the big line on our social media presence uh so (laughs) Please, if you'd like to see Big Line go up and uh, live and die for the line, please be sure to smash that like button on whatever uh, whatever podcast or video service you happen to be listening to this on, and uh, subscribe to whatever channel you're on as well. If you'd like to really keep in touch with us and you know harass us periodically over direct message, send dick pics, that kind of thing, not suggesting it but saying it's an option, uh, you can also follow us on social media. You can follow me, the Death Metal Guy, on Facebook, at Terminus Podcast, or you can follow the Black Metal Guy on Instagram, at Terminus Extreme Metal. The lack of unity between those names, a great indicator of how unprepared we are for the task ahead. (laughs) And finally, if you'd like to get really... Uh, really overly involved in things. As a lot if you'd of like to make sure we, <laughs> if you'd like to make sure we see the dick pics, 
Yes, exactly. You can follow up with us at Patreon or Subscribestar. Uh, subscribing to us, uh, lowest tier is just three bucks a month, and that gives you access to our monthly bonus episodes where we typically cover uh, older records and kind of niche scenes that we usually you know, know a lot about. And uh, five bucks and up gets you access to the Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord. So if we haven't responded on Facebook or Instagram, give us $5 a month. Ask us, have you seen my cock yet? And we will say, absolutely. And it's huge. <laughs> and it's huge. And it only gets bigger the higher tiers that you subscribe <laughs> to. So, I mean, subscribing to our, our still unfilled $50 tier of You Are Literally Danny Filth has been known to transform men bodily into John Holmes, like a pornographic Kafka novel. Well, I would think it would transform them into Danny Filth, but, like, do we even need to question his endowment? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> All the height went to one place, boys. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, really cool show today, and uh, we're mixing it up. So uh, I've got the first record for tonight, a returning band onto our show. Uh, we are covering the new EP by Ildscare, titled, and uh, I will mangle Danish here, Pad Deket Kalder de Dod. We covered the uh, debut Ildscare record last year on the show, and it made it onto my top 20 records of 2020. So, uh, very excited to see what they have for us on the new release. Yeah, cool. Uh, and our next up is a, uh, rec a tip from, uh, one of our, one of our patrons and a friend of mine. Uh, so shout out to, uh, shout out to you, dude. Um, good look. Uh, this is uh, Leshy uh, in their debut album, whose name we have forgotten to translate from Cyrillic, but it's in Cyrillic. Um, the uh, the title is th the name of the band is also in Cyrillic, but we did we did look that one up. Leshy is L E S H Y. That's one of the various spellings for this Slavic forest spirit. Um, and this is out on Horrible Room which is kind of like the Russian answer to Legion Blotan, I suppose. Um, and it's a pretty cool label, so you can look it up by that. They, they do, in fact, have a band camp in addition to their, you know, tape distribution. And it's also on Greg Beal's channel. Um, okay. Then... Uh, number three, uh, bringing back the tradition of the third slot uh, reserved for uh, horrible, brutal death that no one listens to this show to discuss. <laughs> um, we uh, we have the debut record by a project called Metharoma with uh, their record Pipe Dreams Through the Alley out on New Standard Elite. Uh, this is a little bit of a super group, uh, most notably for me, uh, featuring Brian Forg of Syphilic Notoriety. Uh, as well as Jacob Schmidt of Defeated Sanity and a couple of the guys uh, from Sarcophagy. Uh, very interesting take on Modern Brutal Death and uh, one that I was interested in bringing on the show. Cool. And last up, we've got some more death metal, I suppose. War metal. This is a, a Polish band called Upon the Altar. The record is Absit Ab Ordine Luminous. Uh, something about, I don't know, light, 
order light. Um, and uh, the the record label is Putrid Cult. Uh, we actually reviewed a record by them uh, a couple weeks ago, Zari Wilk, um, which I didn't even realize when I picked this. But this is just a very compelling, pretty unique, uh, I guess, uh, Black Death with a um, yeah, pretty 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 original take on it. All right, so first up, Ildscare, and uh, you you take a crack at pronouncing the album. You're better with the Western Euro languages. <laughs> um, let's see. Pa dicket Calder did did did. I don't know what the O with a cross through it is. You know, I just pretty every time I see something, I'm just like ah, umlaut, umlaut, umlaut. Um, but uh, but yeah, who who, who knows? It's Danish. Um, yeah. So uh, last year, uh, like we said at the roundup, we covered the debut record by Old Scare, which is, uh, well, one, it's an extremely good record that everyone should listen to. And uh, so it's it's interesting to describe this band because they're definitely coming out of, you know, what we've come to call the Franco-Finnish tradition of black metal. But Old Scare definitely has some wrinkles in their sound that make them a little more unique. And what, what would you say distinguishes these guys? Because I think it's mostly a matter of mood. Yeah. From you're saying from things in the sort of Franco Finnish vein. Yeah. 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 To their contemporaries. Uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's mood. I, I think it's guitar tone in part. They use kind of a, um, Thinner, but also, yeah, they deliberately use a thinner, more kind of string instrument sounding guitar tone than a lot of those bands are. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think they've got, we'll, we'll get into it in the review here, but they definitely have their own harmonic shadings. Uh, they, uh, the last record, right, veered a little bit more towards kind of like melancholy gothic vampiric french black metal even though that wasn't really the mood of the whole mm-hmm. it just sounded it, you know definitely a more kind of the mood is kind of somber and i think the word i used last time a lot was resolute mm-hmm. right resolute that mood that kind of like sense of sort of uh stern firmness right is i think might be a hallmark of the Danish sound because we find it in bands like Fonbearer as well, even though it's very sonically different. Um, Mm -hmm. But they had those, they also had those really huge, long kind of, an unusual kind of very epic sounding sort of major key riff that was kind Mm -hmm. of their calling card on the last record. Yeah. Um, so, So approaching this EP... I, I think it's it's fair to talk about this in kind of a meta way first, just because we mm-hmm. this is a band we have experience with. I think that you and me both agree uh, that this is a release which is, as you've termed it, like a research and development, an R and D release. Because here mm-hmm. you can you can hear the band clearly attempting to step outside of. Uh, you know what they were doing on their first record, and I think more importantly they're nailing down exactly what Ildscare is about and mm-hmm. now the resemblances to kind of Franco-Finnish or especially uh, French-style black metal is starting to become thinner. You know, I, I think they're really starting to step away from that on this record. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this seems like, I mean, I think we... 
uh, I mean, as you say in the notes, you're like, uh, you know, this one is, this one is, yeah, this one is much less focused on big riffs than the first record is. But what it is, is it takes the kind of standard rhythm riffing that was the basis of the last one, which often had this kind of more, uh, more French quality to it and really develops that and carries it away from the sad vampire thing. So yeah, this is... They're developing their own riffing language on this. They, they, they really are, yeah. And it's um, and the song structures are... The, the riffs have their own sort of melodic... They, 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 the, the riffs have their own kind of shape... Are starting to get their own kind of shapes and rhythmic patterns. And they are starting to really improve the song structures, which now no longer feel like riff A, riff B, riff C, riff D, riff A, riff B. Yeah, okay. no, I think I think the biggest advancement on this EP is in the structuring of the music because Ildscare on the first record had um, admirably ambitious harmonic ideas mm-hmm. and more complex, longer melodies than a lot of bands, but they were still sort of at the service of sargeisty rock song structures. And here they really break away from it. Uh, This stuff is a lot more through-written, a lot more linear, and just a lot more narrative. And part of that owes to the fact that they're doing longer songs on this one. I mean, this is three tracks in, I think, about 27 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, you you get the sense that it's like, you know, they're, they're deliberately stretching their compositional abilities. And I think yeah, that's it's really good. It's really cool. Yeah. It's like they're consciously pushing themselves. I was going to say, it's kind of like they've deliberately tied one fighting with one hand behind their back because one of their biggest skills is these huge, uh, like a, their own distinct t- take on the big epic riff. And there just are virtually none of those here. Uh, and instead the idea is, can we bring up the quality of the average basic riff and use that to make like the whole songs, and the answer is yes, they do. Yeah, this is mm. this is the sound of a band doing the the really hard work. Yeah, you know? because Ildscare mm. is a band who had enough raw talent in their riffing ability to do straightforward Franco-Finnish black metal and still be really good. But here, you know, it's almost like they're they're deliberately sacrificing some of the the biggest and most immediately pleasing moments mm-hmm. of their first record at the service of making something greater, which is, I I don't know if, you know, I would do that if I was as good at riffing as those guys were, but I fucking admire them for taking that chance. Yeah, it's a good use of the EP format. Yeah. Um. So mm-hmm. maybe we should show them how it sounds. Uh, who Who wants to go first? Well, I mean, we for this one, we decided just to do three samples because mm-hmm. we got three tracks. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like double sampling. A lot of this stuff is very more more than the sum of its parts in terms of structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's just roll with the first track. Um, this is a little bit after the intro uh, on the opening track, uh, Not an Artist. Mm-hmm. And... For those who haven't heard the first Old Scare record, check that out. Listen to kind of the opening riff on that, and then listen to the opening riffs here. Oh, oh yeah. Doesn't that record just open with, like, the massive stonker riff? Yes, yes. It just opens yeah. with a giant riff. I'm pretty sure we yeah, sampled it, it when we covered yeah, yeah. it. But here, 
it's immediately more subtle, and I think everyone's mm-hmm. going to be able to hear that. interesting listening to that again because when I listened to it the first time I wrote my notes on it I had said something about oh you know they're they're churning through like three or four riffs in this sample mm-hmm. you know and originally they would have held on to just like one or two for a lot longer but here listening to it again it actually is just two riffs it's there's two riffs, so much yeah. happening in those riffs that it feels like it's way more yeah dude um one thing that struck me about that middle riff, first of all, I can instantly remember it. Not that it's like a huge hook riff, but just having heard it, I can. It's memorable. It's got. They're not. They are no longer really working with a set rhythmic form. It it more has. There's kind of a freedom to it that relates to melody and classical music, melody and folk music, melody and various non-metal musics. It's, uh, which I think is crucial to be tapped into how those work for this style. That was something I was, you know, griping about with the Sarkarista, and I'll come back to it later in the Mm -hmm. show with the Leshy. But this is a really good example of, uh, Leshy often works completely within set forms, deliberately, and does it really Mm -hmm. well. This, this band is like, there's, you know, there's just a more kind of, elegant flowing quality to this right yeah yeah Mm. no it's uh i mean it's maintaining the the sort of like neoclassical quality you get from Mm -hmm. franco finnish stuff but a lot of it really does come down to note selection uh so the way the way this riff moves is the way the way that it's formed in in terms of you know left hand fingering is like a sargeist riff in that you've got a, a shifting higher melody over like moving bass notes mm-hmm. uh, within the chord, but here 
you know, a lot of the drama comes from the bass notes that they selected on the E string. Uh, you know, the Sargeist mm-hmm. is always going to use kind of the same minor scale to construct mm-hmm. their riffs. Here, mm-hmm. you can hear how the first half is kind of like a Sargeist riff, but then as they start manipulating the bass notes more, well, then you start reaching back into, like, older French black metal. Like, Herolorn is one that kept coming up for me on this one. Yeah, well, there, there's also sort of like a significant chord change that happens within the riffs. Mm-hmm. within that riff right it's you know with and the bass change reflects that right da, 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 da. you know yeah. i guess they go they go up by a second i guess and you know like that second part where it lifts up a bit is kind of significant and a lot of other bands playing in that style just wouldn't bother doing that yeah, they, the riff would be the first half of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, here, it's like there's a real attempt to develop narrative structures, not just within songs, but within yeah. riffs themselves. You know, riffs that have become so, so extended and mm-hmm. so convoluted, they become these little micro stories throughout their playing. Also, I really like the triplet blasted on this track. So they're subdividing four, like four four into triplets. So it kind of makes like a twelve eight feel, which is just very mm-hmm. dense under the guitars. And you could play it more continually. You could go, you know, you know, or you know. But um, instead, it's got kind of this nice staggered feel to it. Very each phrase is very kind of set off, and it's kind of got this. I don't know, there's a little variation to the timing that is... I mean, you you could play it straight and it would just sound really brutal. But instead of sounding really brutal, it's got this almost... Uh, it's heavy, but it's got this sort of nimbleness to it. Well, I think that... I think part of that has to do with them leaning into... I think something we saw a little bit on the first album, but really comes out here, was, which is the sort of nautical quality of it. Hmm. Um, like on the cover of this, you have the uh, the warships on the horizon, you know, one engulfed in flame, and mm-hmm. everything about Old Scare so far has been related to sort of Danish monarchist history. Um, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, like the first one was about the siege on De- on Copenhagen by the British mm-hmm. Navy, and I think this connects to it, or this is about a particular battle uh, within that war. Hmm. Um, but there, there doesn't. Is, is this where the Danes get their revenge for the unprovoked bombardment? I'm not sure. I think they they talk about it a little bit, like mm-hmm. on uh, their Facebook or some of their social mm-hmm. media. I remember in the run up to this release, they were like explaining some of the tracks, and I, I'll be honest, I just skimmed over it at the time, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to look back onto it. Uh, but yeah, there's this there's this consistent sort of swaying nautical quality to this music. That, I, I get, I get that. You know what it is that that roof. It sounds all if you, if I'm just thinking immediately of nautical sounds. It sounds like a mm-hmm. rope tightening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like deck rocking or deck creaking or a rope tightening. Yeah, yeah. Everything is everything has the kind of a sway to it. The uh, you know the the riffs have that uh, that sort of mournful quality that old scare likes, you know, we're setting off to sea and not sure if we'll come back home sort of thing. It's uh, it's nice. It's a very different mood for this kind of music. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so uh, what have you got for uh, a second one? You So now, you know, the first track is sort of this very stately, extent, extended introductory piece in a way, and then I feel like the next two are the ones where it really kind of takes you by the throat and it expresses what they want to do from here. Yeah, this is a great track. So this is a blood red bulger. I don't know, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, this is... So this this one has basically we're, we're gonna you're gonna hear a uh, in, in this sample we're gonna come in at the end of a series of sort of verse blast beats right so like here is your standard aggressive black metal riff right and then we're gonna get into this uh, really just beautiful well written riff and the interesting thing is that the beautiful well written riff sort of works as a build up to a um, <laughs> a very different riff uh, that's that's uh, that's a good time. Um, so why don't we just um, yeah you're gonna hear this. There's this sort of I'll just give you the 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 riff you should listen for. You get this sort of asymmetrical triple blast riff. Um, you know there'll be like the first phrase repeats three times instead of four, and then just spills over into four four within the same melody. It's really sophisticated. Um, and there's nothing about the intervals in particular that makes it stand out as the big catchy part relative to the stuff we just played you. It's mm -hmm. just masterfully good and fluid, and it's a good case of, um, you know, maybe like the drums and the rhythmic pattern following the melody, not like we need to fill in this amount of space. Mm -hmm. um, really cool, develops really nicely, and then uh, then it, uh, shit, gets, uh, shit gets lit. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go. <laughs>
Okay, so I actually messed up a little bit on the lead-in. That that sort of huge developmental riff I was talking about was actually the one that you just heard, which actually is a pretty big moment in itself. This sort of spiraling, ascending triplet thing. It kind of doubles back on itself, and then it, you get to this more triumphant major key release. Uh, and it has this kind of natural, organic asymmetry. It works how a melody works, not mm -hmm. a cellularly written metal riff works yeah um yeah i get that so uh, that's very grand and powerful but uh how about the riff before that <laughs> <laughs> let's go buddy let's go <laughs> yeah so um you know if that riff seems familiar to you it's because it's literally corellian satanist madness i mean like <laughs> i mean it, it's if if it's not that track, it's the one before it on that album. But it's just, it's a sort of simp, even, it's a simplified version of one of those early Satanic Warmaster riffs. And the funny thing is, like, I mean, well, damn, damn, it's fun, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's very clever. That's like the one kind of big, conventionally epic hook riff you get on this record. And it's like yeah. an homage, it's an homage, which is really clever. And the first time I heard this, I just like laughed my ass off. It's <laughs> no, it's a, uh, yeah, no, I, I think at this point we can say that riffs like that are just, okay, that's, that's public domain. You know, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone's allowed to use this riff. Like there's, there's certain satanic war master riffs. Everyone is allowed to use certain Sargeist riffs. Uh, and, and, and it's also the kind of satanic war master feel that people don't draw on as much. It's closer to that. You know, I was talking about like how there are these kind of like pagan speed metal riffs that really define mm -hmm. that album. And that's a little more like one of those, right? It's got that kind of, it sort of jigs around the root note and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, kind of thrashes. Oh yeah. Um, no, it's a, it's a, it's a huge headbang moment, which is not something that Ill Scare really traded in a whole lot on their first record, but yeah. I'm very glad to see it happen here. Oh, yeah, uh, that's uh, Copenhagen monarchist radness. <laughs> <laughs> it's written in the notes. He was waiting to say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you can tell here, like this passage, this is super sophisticated in terms of riff count, in terms of development. This is the closest that Ildskir gets to one of the big conventional moments off their first record. But even here, it's it's a lot more subtle. There's a lot more shading in the mood of these riffs, I feel. Alright. No, it's a... I, I really like it. And then... Well, okay, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the final track. Because I think this is the one that's the most indicative of where the band wants to go. So you're going to hear a, there's a lot of different kinds of riffs you're going to hear on this sample. Um, and some of them are really remarkable, but, but what's really interesting is that a lot of these riffs start with a conventional first half that you've heard in like Franco Finnish black metal but then it gets turned around in a weird way. There's no easy consonant resolutions to these riffs, which means that it feels like they're writing they're writing the normal version of the riff and they're like, okay, now let's modify it from here and find a different set of tones and a different set of harmonic ideas to play with. All right, cool. So I'm going to yep. start. And this is, 
Yeah, yeah. So this is off. Uh, sorry, it has a title. Yeah, it's uh, Den Sidste Orlagsmond. So let's check this out. like the sort of gothic mood a lot of this has yeah it, it definitely yeah it sounds it sounds very it draws on the most gothic sort of french bm stuff but it doesn't really like you know it doesn't feel like sensual or like uh sort of um it really does it doesn't feel like it's still melancholy but it doesn't feel kind of like uh, it doesn't have the kind of I said it before, but sad vampire vibe that the first... It, that, doesn't, that, it doesn't have the, the effete man in the waistcoat on the fainting couch, you know? It, exactly, exactly. It's, it's, it, it captures, like, um... Eh, yeah, and it captures the parts of that 90s French stuff that people often uh, just pass over. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that... Uh, we've been talking a lot on the show about how it seems like uh, a lot of bands nowadays, the more forward-thinking ones, are they're they're adopting loosely, at least, established styles, but mm-hmm. they seem to be interested in kind of the most liminal parts of those styles. You know, we've we've mm-hmm. drawn from the well of French black metal, like big triumphant riffs, sad vampire riffs. Let's dig into some of the deeper cuts that we're hearing from those bands and expand on it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that rising kind of spiraling triplet riff that had sort of switched to a major in the middle and then back. Um, it had a 
that that one was pretty cool. And oh, then, yeah, then yeah. there was that there was yeah, that it's big a, sl- very manic. Yeah. Yeah. There was that big slowdown and you know personally I'm um only a fan of things that are fast. Um however, <laughs> that was a uh that was a uh creative and unexpected moment. That was almost a ge- a genuine they like they didn't just half time it. I feel like they genuinely slowed down. Yeah, there's an actual tempo shift occurring, mm-hmm. which is actually surprisingly hard to pull off on the fly like that and make it sound good. Um, that one actually really struck me because I think that's slower than anything they did on their first record, and as minimal as it is, it it does actually have the power to it that those sorts of slow black metal riffs are supposed to have. Yeah, and yeah, and in all seriousness, it doesn't drag. It's not. No, you know, yeah. it's, and it, it comes off like a a, a big moment. Um, yeah. Now, overall, I I guess one thing to say uh, is that, especially for people of the first record, it's fair to say this is not as like immediately gripping and pleasing <laughs> as the first record was. I mean, I'll probably listen to the first record more than this one just because, I mean, those kinds of riffs are like catnip to me, but this feels like, this is sort of objectively better music, you know? Yeah, completely agree. This is a decisive step up for them. Um, And I get the sense that they are keeping those big riffs in their back pocket for the next record. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think they they wanted to develop uh, some new kind of riff patterns or riff archetypes within their mm-hmm. own band, and they're using this as the opportunity to do it. And then we're going to see that fully come to fruition and sort of recombine with some of the the yeah. giant stadium moments mm-hmm. of the first record. And we'll when that happens, we're probably going to have another record of the year. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it'll be great. I mean the um. You know, the thing, you know, there are a lot of bands now, it's almost like a, 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 it's a cliche now, people talk about triumphant black metal, right? And a lot Mm -hmm. of these bands, they give you the triumph just right from the get-go, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, and it can, some of those bands are really good, they manage to sustain it the whole time, I mean, like, for me, the classic one of those is always Finn, but, like, a lot of it is just, like, very, uh... You know, just here's the candy, here's the candy, here's the candy, here's the candy, right? Yeah. N- not necessarily that there can't be some profundity in there, too. Depends on the band, right? But, like, yeah. it's very much just this one affect. Whereas this band wants to is making you struggle. And I feel like I just looked at the background for this record. Mm-hmm. This is still about losing battles with the British Navy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the... the the whole point is that they're a nautical nation, but they had nowhere near the naval power of the British, right? And the British also just got the jump on them. Mm-hmm. So this is just about sort of like noble losing struggles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it fits with the mood of the riffs and everything. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I, I'm glad to have them as a a band that we're gonna keep checking in on. <laughs> next next record has to just be you know uh, the Danes get their revenge, but by going back in time. So we just get Danes, <laughs> we just get Danes marauding, uh, Danes marauding in the coast of England in like the year eight hundred. Um, <laughs> just just Danish Danish naval Viking raids. 
We gotta win one sometime, boys. <laughs> Might as well be now. This is a little one gash, and you're listening to Terminus. Alright, so next up we have a demo by Lishi. And uh, while we were taking our break, I actually decided to look it up. It looks like the title of this demo translates to The Old Dreams. Um, and how'd you find this? Was this just a... Oh, yeah, you said this was uh, one of our patrons that threw so, this out, uh, right? So, on our Discord, yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, he's also an old friend of mine, but yeah, thank you, Kveldolf. Good recommendation. Uh, this is... Um, yeah, this is... It, it's attracted some attention on Bandcamp and on, um, you know, YouTube. It's gotten... Greg Beal has posted it. Also, a newer channel called uh, Mao da Gloria, which um, is pretty solid. I don't. I think I feel like I like most of what Greg Beal posts better on average. However, this this person does post some good stuff also, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's worth checking out for anyone who follows the show. Um, but yeah, so this is um, it's out on this this Russian label, Horrible Room. And what's interesting about a horrible room is that although it is in Russia, it is uh, seems less the aesthetic seems less Slavic black metal than um, Legion Blotan or uh, various things from the U.S. that were influenced by the sort of uh, Claxon Records, Mysterious Guy, Hardcore stuff. So what? So maybe like the. Um, Maybe, like, Nitstang is a good comparison, also. Like, mm-hmm. black metal. Like, people from the hardcore scene who've moved firmly towards black metal, but kept a lot of that kind of, uh, noisy, uh, noisy, stompy vibe. Mm-hmm. So, in some sense, it has more in common with these, with with this sort of global scene. Um, uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen some things by this label before, but this is the first thing I've, I've really checked out properly. Um... And man, did I underestimate it! Yeah, like that's uh, it's it's got a lot buried in it, you know. Once you get past the immediate impression, yeah. First heard the first two riffs, and I was like, "Oh, cool! This is like proper Senor Volanda worship with some great riffs, right?" And then I go back to it, and I'm like, "Listen to the whole thing while I'm, you know, walk taking a walk the next day." And it's like, "Oh, there's a lot of stylistic range here. You know, there's a lot more going on than I thought." And then you know, I listen again, and I'm like damn, the whole thing is just really well-written and sort of passionate. And then, you know, at this point, I've listened to this. It's been like a week. I've listened to this like ten times at least. Um, It's just, I I really, really like this. And I I think it's one of those things that will probably, you know, it's technically a demo, although it's short, full-length length. length. Um, It's one of those kind of understated underground releases that I'll probably end up listening to a ton this year. Yeah. No, it's... uh... It's interesting because they, it's like they kind of smuggle the deeper ideas uh, into this. Because, like, the first couple songs in the last track are very much in that, like, Senor Valan meets Ukrainian black metal niche. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, like, the middle tracks of this where the range really expands out. And clearly the guy or people behind this... uh, have a really wide-ranging grasp of black metal songwriting technique. And I think even just within that range, they do create a style of their own. You know, Ukrainian black metal that doesn't forget 
about it's second Russian. wave black metal. Yeah. It's Russian. Oh, yeah. Oh, my bad. Russian. <laughs> uh, they, uh, depending on which kind of Russians they are, they'll either they'll either like that association or hate it. <laughs> depending on yeah. what, what particular region we're in. What particular yeah, wing of the Russian black metal scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um... So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is a... It's... Yeah, it it, it, it it comes off initially like it's going to be a genre exercise or a kind of niche micro-worship project, and it's way more than that. So, um, let's just... It's, I was, I've been saying to the death metal guy that like, you know, we, we did like more close analysis of riffs at the beginning. And I felt like, mm. I think we've gotten back to it somewhat already, but like now I want to really get back to it, uh, because what makes the difference between this and so many things that are like it, but are just good or mediocre uh, mm -hmm. So let's listen to the first two riffs on the first track. Why is this so great? I love how exasperated he sounds. Yeah. It's got that, that grumbly quality that I appreciate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just pissed. It's like how I feel <laughs> when I wake up. Um, uh, man, though. Beautiful riffs. Um, so before I spurg out about this, what, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, I think you can go ahead and spurg. I mean, it's a, an array of, like expertly arranged Senior Valon style riffs um, with uh, that little bit of Eastern flair. It's always interesting hearing how, uh, you know, Russian bands or Ukrainian bands uh, will play with these, these sort of scale ideas that are like slightly Phrygian you know, mm -hmm. just because, you know, it, it really is an East meets West kind of thing occurring, but those are also all native to, Russian folk melody too. Yeah, I just find that... it, there's kind of a people think about different scales, but it's really it's more like a spectrum of melodic thought, like a gradient geographically across Europe. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's that Indo-European step drone sound, or you mm-hmm. know that, or that merger of Slavic and Turkic ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was I was just watching Russian night fights. Highly recommend M1 night fights. Dudes in armor beating the shit out of each other. Um, oh, I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish the swords were larger, but I think it's a safety concern. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and yeah, I was thinking all the armor, the armor has kind of like, it looks European and also Turkic and also Iranian, also Persian, yeah. you know, um, but, um, but yeah, so you get those. Yeah. So you're talking about those darker intervals on the first riff, right? Um, yeah. That was one that yeah. stood out to me. Which you could, uh, yeah, that's a good point. You could associate that with the sort of more brooding sort of tense Phrygian tending stuff on on hate forest or something right but uh definitely but but really what it is yeah it is very much in this sort of um yeah so what what makes this so good right well all those riffs in particular right these are written from set forms right it's the one two three four one two three four right riff right (laughs) and you know and then it's just half notes right um and so this could very easily be the stuff I complain about, like grid-written Sargeist worship, where it's just kind of like, here are your 16 notes, fill them in as you please, right? Yeah. Um, he, most of this record, especially in this sort of bread-and-butter riffs like that, is written from set forms, from these sort of standard troped patterns. But everyone kind of is straining beyond that. It kind of exceeds the bounds of it. And it's because this guy or guys, they have an ear for, not just for riff, but for melody in a way that uh, means they have some familiarity with classical or folk or whatever ideas. Um, And so, you know, uh, yeah, so what makes these tick? Uh, Well, everyone will have heard how powerful that second riff is, right? It's got this kind of... It takes this, like, descent at the end, and the descent is where it soars, right? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Uh, reminds me a bit of, like, uh, one of those best riffs off of Katotos, the Serpent Column. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, so let's look at the first one. So this, this could really be a grid riff, but it's, it's all in these intervals. So as you were saying, there are a lot of these half steps, right? But it's, so it gestures towards the Phrygian thing or towards darker black metal but it doesn't sound like crashing dark throne dissonance it doesn't sound like snake charmer music uh what it really fits into to me is a sort of like sinister minor scales you get with the some of the gorg some gorgoroth or you know i i you know never miss a chance to talk about dawn any number of the sort of more um sort of high caliber mid 90s uh brooding black metal um and uh it, you know, it, it, it evokes, just in a vague way, it's kind of like, you know, late romantic classical music, too. But uh, And you hear shades of this in Signor Voland, but those are not the parts people draw from, right? Oh, yeah, no, they, they just no. draw, like, <laughs> big epic riff go burr. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Grunthurt does a good job of capturing some of the more aggressive side of it, but, like, in terms of the sort of more... Uh, sinister sounding tight intervals this band gets it pretty uniquely um and so what what does this riff do well da 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 um 
it looks you, you can see this riff in your head it's like a bunch of sort of inverted v's with the second part of the v shorter than the first it's just these it looks like a lightning bolt ascending um and uh it's got this even within this one riff it has a sense of harmonic development built into it so you get uh the first couple ones have these more sort of tense intervals, right? So you get like root note, half step, and then you're up like a four, and then you're down a half step from the four, da 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 da, right? So that that could be this more classic black metal dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're like four down the half step again, da 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 da, right? And so it echoes that sort of little turn, right? But instead of the rise, you get only the descent, uh, and then you get another. Uh, you start from the bottom again, you get the da 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 da, rise and descend. And then from the five and six, the six and five, it just takes off. And so on the back end of the riff, you got six, five, minor six, five, seven, da da da. And then five, so at the end of the riff, you get that huge epic Senor Volant, Sargai, Satanic Warmaster kind of turnaround. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's, sort of, uh, it, it's almost like the opposite of Ild Scare, where Ild Scare takes the first half of a conventional riff form and then mm -hmm. alters it in the second half. Mm -hmm. This this is really interested in doing these sort of convoluted, furtive, sort of Gorgoroth ideas up front and then concluding them with the big payoff that you'd hear in, uh, like, the Stadium Blackman away. Yeah, good point. Exactly, yeah. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it's not withholding, it's just engaged in a more complex sort of tension release thing. And mm -hmm. this riff, instead of just being, you could rearrange these notes in any way, this riff has a definite shape, right? Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's fucking sick. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, th I think we, we got through that. So then, and then what makes the other thing, <laughs> like, so good? Well, then, you know, you end on the seven, right? And it kind of rests on the seven. Da-da-da. Um... And then what, how do you go to the chorus? Well, you just go up a step to the octave. And that's like the simplest thing you can do. But he nails it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And what makes that second riff stand out is the da-da, da-da, right? Well, that's that's fine. That's cool. That kind of soars. Uh, but it's that da-da-da-da. It's that he repeats that chord two in that second half of the riff. And as he's repeating it, he changes the bass. That's that bass change you were stuffed that we were talking about with Old Scare. Mm -hmm. um, and so it creates a cool sort of tense harmonic effect. Like the bass moves down to the note he's going to hit next on the guitar. But it also like, um, it, it's also a rhythm effect. As in, although that is just four symmetrical half notes, da, 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 da. Suddenly you've got this long sustain in the middle of it. Um... And the other thing that carries this is just throughout the record, it's a uh, very aggressive physical picking, but there's this smooth legato motion between all the notes. It just powerful, but gliding and effortless. And like, if you want an example of like, you know, like when that doesn't work, it can actually undermine music like this. I swear there's a similar riff on the last werewolf record. Mm -hmm. Like the, 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 the satanic war, you know, the solo project of satanic war master where it sounds like he like, you know, I mean, he's, he's obviously 
capable of playing this riff straight, but for, for whatever reason, he kind of muffs it when he gets to the top of the riff, and you can hear just sort of a hitch in his plane where he restarts picking in the middle of it, and that actually mm-hmm. the messes with the shape of the melody. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like those guitarists who you've seen who uh, every time they start a new riff, they feel the need to go all the way to like the headstock and then slide back up to the starting note. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very, very odd, like bad habit I've seen certain guitarists have. And I, it seems to come from sort of like more traditional heavy metal stuff. Um, so, okay. Uh, as a, uh, as a response to your incredibly in-depth and actually very interesting analysis of oh, the you. first song, mm-hmm. uh, we'll go to the second song uh, where I like the riff and I like the band. <laughs> So let's we try like this. the riff. We like the riff. <laughs> we like the riff. The FTC can't stop me. The Fed can't stop me. What are you going to do? Stop me from listening to the riff because I like the riff? I like the riff. Every riff, very good. <laughs> so, um, so you've got such a range of just a different awesome things that I always loved. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like 
It's like he just keeps he just keeps fucking ripping them out one after another. It's like, oh, big fucking senior Volan riff, big fucking Russian riff, you know, big this riff, and then at the very end he he <laughs> rips out this fucking like Swedish black death riff that's yeah. like as good as anything on like Sacramentum, like mm-hmm. and he and he just like chucks it out there and then i can't tell what's happening on is there is do you think there's a synth on this i didn't hear it i think he gets a lot of drone effect from the guitars themselves which i like what what were you picking up on it sounds like on that very last riff as he does that that final dyad climbing down mm-hmm. the big epic kind of major scale thing mm-hmm. it feels like he's hitting some big chord on like a brass setting on a keyboard i don't know oh, if it's I, just i think there's crashing rhythm guitar under it he just gets a guy to go like seven one exactly yeah now that's why it's like it, like there's something that kicks or wait in sorry right there. sorry it wasn't it wasn't to the one i think it's to the seven but yeah 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 no um so i mean i i mean this is just like fucking candy for me these are these are all the riffs that i enjoy and you actually compared that final one because you'd said swedish at first which i wasn't sure about but then you said uh winterland and i was like mm-hmm. yes welcome my last chapter there you go yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking like the basic idea for that. Right, the basic idea for that, the most famous riff that works like that has got to be where dead angels lie, which is, you know, um, dissection, obviously. Uh, yeah. a, a, a goofy but awesome song. Um, but then it also has this greater, this is, you know, he's blasting it instead of doing this kind of waltz thing. And it has. And it's a, it's a much more furious riff. It doesn't have the sort of goofy Metallica-isms of dissection. Um, and so it makes me think of Dawn. Dawn might play a riff like that, but it's not quite like Dawn either. And I think Vinterland is right in between those. Oh, yeah. No, Vinterland mm. is one of my, also, my favorite. Also, the big power chord ascent at the end is super Vinterland. Yeah, that's extremely Vinterland. You know, Vinterland is the... I, I didn't even realize it because I, I, I guess it's a well-known record, but it just managed to kind of slip by me for so many years. It's like, oh, here's a record that that just like gets the scoop on and presupposes everything about black metal from 2010 on back in 1996, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, yeah, so, I, uh, yeah, no, I think, but, but this really does show off, you what, know, it's what, not just... When I heard that riff also is that's when I realized like, oh shit, this band is like, this isn't just a worship project. And there's another sick riff at the end of this track too. It gets super futile, which is awesome. But like, it's, um, at at that moment I was like, shit, this is with this sort of single note arpeggio stuff and whatever. Like this is a fuller idea. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think that, uh, like even within this track where it's like it, it's all musical candy to me but it's so many different kinds in one place mm-hmm. and they all slip into each other so elegantly you know I, I i couldn't help but be really impressed um but beyond that okay so track five so there's something really interesting happening here like i said uh, the first couple tracks kind of trick you into thinking that everything is just going to be like hyper melodic, you know, really kind of high spirited stuff. And I, I mean, it is, mm-hmm. but 
Then you get into a block of middle tracks, like the third through the fifth track, mm-hmm. where a, a lot more ideas come out to play and a lot more kind of like traditional second wave ideas emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this fifth track has a, uh, a, uh, a turnaround that may surprise you when it hits, because it's the only sort of thing like this on the record. But it doesn't feel like a one-off, it just feels very deliberately placed. So let's check it out. The sick, nasty, dark throne riff came in as a solo guitar. Why is it when the drums kicked in that there was not an enormous blah to introduce yeah. it? It's got to be a blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, I need some sort of vocal stab there because, I mean, if you're... Or just, just yell in Russian, you know? Yeah, black metal bless are a, a classic part of the genre and i just yeah. i feel like there's a missed opportunity there i'll overlook it this time but That's on future possible. releases we got it we need more bless <laughs> That's, yeah. the one the achilles heel of the record is that moment but, um, <laughs> but damn does that does that moment not go hard it calls for that kind of goblin vocalization oh, oh yeah man. yeah it's a it's <laughs> i described it in my notes as a retard strength horna riff which is <laughs> like horna at their like just dumbest and stompiest it's also like i mean that moment what it, really, <clears throat> it reminds me of night of the graveless souls too which is maybe the first black 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 moment on a uh mm-hmm. 
maybe. Um, but also in terms of, so yeah, I hear the Hornet connection for sure. But what that really is, I think also is just a naked, stompy U.S. style hardcore riff. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. that that's too. like, there's the fourth track on here, I think, is is like a whole track that's kind of like that, except some blasting. I feel like that one's kind of the weakest link just because the rhythm riff is not great. But the fourth mm. song is just basically like a hoax track. Um, yeah. If, if you took a little more care with the riff, I'd like it more. Right. Uh, but like this is a great, great stompy hardcore riff. Just yeah, and uh, top notch, and and the time, oh, the, the way it just, the way it interacts with what came before it is so heavy. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely there's a period in my life where that huge run up of epic riffs concluding with that stomp mm-hmm. riff would have driven me fucking insane, mm-hmm. but <laughs> because it would just be like, really, that's that's what this all leads up to, and now it's like. Now I understand. Yes, it does lead to that, and it's perfect. <laughs> now you now you see the light. Yes. Now I see uh, the power of the interrupting yeah. Dark Throne riff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, you could just shout, Get your two-step on! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also just love the, you know, obviously that, that it's got that cool sliding you know, rhythm thing going, but it's it's really just those chord stabs at the end. You know, mm-hmm. the, for the turnaround on the riff. Oh. They're so, like... Yeah, that is... You're right, that is very dissection, because that's a very Watane thing, and Watane are just dissection. But the chord stabs are also very... I, I see what you mean about the big... The, the, the hook being in the turnaround. That is a Horna thing, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, hardcore bands do it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a... Uh, man, yeah, and also those storming riffs leading up to it. Man, in particular, that... Um, with that kind of like some of the, the the drone effects in there are so heavy. Um, oh, and I, I swear to God, that's taken from a, a song from like a very popular movie trailer from like the two thousands, and it's driving me up a fucking wall. I thought it was something. I thought it was like the Requiem for a Dream theme or something, mm-hmm. but that's not it. It's something like that, though. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Almost certainly. Um. So yeah, that part was sick. You got anything more on that? Um, nah, man. But what what have you got to uh, sprawl it out at the end? Well, you know, I almost don't want to give away the end of the record. I mean, mm-hmm. sh- should we just not? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll uh, we'll keep. Uh... I think people should listen to this. So yeah, let's 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 leave them guessing. You know, I, the last track is just absolutely sick, and it it brings together. Bring you know brings together the first and the second half in a pretty cool way. The first, the initial sound we looked at, and then the sound that the death metal guy just highlighted in a pretty cool way. Uh, and you know, yeah, when when I go on this, I'm just like, this band does in fact have a, uh, and the, the track does this too. There's a cool journey in the track. You get like a, a certain kind of furious Sturmundrang melody and then the track breaks it down in interesting ways and brings out different sides of it. It's just, it's so cool. Um, and uh, you'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> That's fair. No, it's, uh, this is really, really good and really smart music. And I hope that, 
you know, it, it's always a toss-up when it comes to Russian bands, like, mm-hmm. how far they manage to make it outside of Russia. Just because, mm-hmm. you know, if you, like, dig into the Russian black metal scene, there's there's so much stuff that just d- never came over. And mm-hmm. I hope this isn't one of those things that gets lost over there. You know, I, I hope that a lot of people check this one out, because this is pretty much as good as you can do several styles all at the same time very much agreed i also i think there will be no risk of of this not being noticed simply because of the ecosystem it's in like the tape's already sold out and it's because this guy seems to be jacked into this kind of raw stomping black metal network Mm -hmm. um but uh i certainly i certainly think you should uh check check it out before all your friends are telling you about it Definitely get get in there, get in get in there first. with yeah. cred. Yeah, at this point there are only uh, <laughs> only probably like forty people max have it on Bandcamp, so like get in there fast. Yeah, <laughs> while you're still on the ground floor, it's only going up from here. <laughs> Stonks.
All right, we are back after some Bakira uh, for something equally ostentatious and lovely to all the black metal listeners on this podcast. We have Metharoma with Pipe Dreams Through the Alley out on New Standard Elite. Um, so, uh, surprise, surprise, it's a uh, brutal death metal album. And uh, we, we've got an interesting mix of personnel here, uh, like I said, uh, up at the top. Uh, but what I really want to focus on is Brian Forg. Uh, now, uh, Forg, Forgy, not sure how you pronounce it exactly. Uh, so Brian is the man behind a one-man project called Syphilic, uh, which is something I followed for a very long time, basically since his first record. Uh, he's put out probably eight or something now, uh, where he plays a, a sort of very technical and sort of mechanical style of brutal death sort of descended from bands like insidious decrepancy uh but now you hear him as the guitarist on this record pulling back on a lot of the sort of ostentatious technical performances that he's known for uh, but keeping the the weird compositional choices that he makes in Syphilic, uh, very strange intervals, sort of unusual riff patterns for the style. Um, and I ended up really liking this. I think that it's, I mean, it's extremely brutal, but these are songs in a way that a lot of brutal death metal tracks aren't. And there's a really wide variety of guitar technique and uh, different kinds of songs and these sort of meta ideas that get a little bit lost in Brutal Death in general. Yeah, it's definitely, I definitely hear the song thing. Um, mm -hmm. There are, there's a nice uh, thematic unity to a lot of these. You can hear that like a bunch of the riffs in the song are clearly related to each other. Um, uh, I like, you know, it's probably, this is probably a little too uh, brutal death, guys, brutal death for me to love. Uh, mm. But it's it's solid. I like it, I'd say I, you know, like it not as much as the really unhinged war metal-y stuff, uh, but more than some of it. Um, I think it's got a good tone um, in terms of just like, doesn't sound uh, clicky and sterile. Right, uh, but it also mm. doesn't sound raw. It's just got sort of beefy. It's got like a brutal death version of beefy classic death metal tone. Is that a yeah. fair description? I I would say so. And I think that one of the important things is there's a real like razor sharp clarity to the guitars, mm -hmm. so that when you got those very strange kind of incisive single note tremolo riffs coming through, they they come across a lot more effectively. I, I would say that one of the things that really distinguishes this from a lot of the brutal death that I bring onto the show is its relative readability. You know, um, mm -hmm. this is paired back a little bit on tempo and technicality, but not necessarily on being unusual and being uh, out there and experimental in the way that a lot of brutal death metal actually is now. Um, it's just, it, it's a, it's a lot clearer and I could actually see this being a good bridging album from people who are into the weirder side of regular death metal into some of the brutal death stuff that we talk about on the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, um, 
Yeah, any, anything else about it? Uh, oh, I think thematically it's worth talking about, right? This is mm-hmm. sort of... Um, the song titles on this are all kind of like real-life American horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got like, I love that aspect. Yeah, Spray and Pray, Self-Preservation, Fentanyl, Cabin Fever, which seems maybe like a COVID thing. Uh, mm-hmm. in the in the locker room, which uh, who knows what that's about. Uh, <laughs> um, the implications are dizzying. <laughs> yes, uh, meth aroma, uh, streets of recovery, clandestine study, and correct and rehabilitate. So there's this bit about you know this sort of like drug induced misery, but there's also this kind of seems like this sort of cynicism or skepticism about kind of like the um, the rehab industry. And, like, maybe, like, the pharmaceutical industry in general. Yeah. Uh, that that seems to be a thing particular to uh, Brian Ford. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, the sort of lyrical themes and topics covered uh, in syphilic are a lot more, like, gory and absurd and grotesque. But they tend to revolve around the... What seem to be like very precise fixations of his, like uh, a lot of stories of uh, stories of drug addiction, stories of uh, families destroying each other in a literal fashion. And there's always this pervasive like uh, societal corruption, lots of stuff about the police. Uh, there's a, a sense of like a you know, closing the door on Western civilization of, you know, the the deconstruction of all the systems that we're used to and kind of the reduction of man into a feral state. And I think mm. that a lot of this is touching on some of those same ideas because Brian, Brian has a, a long and storied history of uh, interactions with the cops and stuff. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I... I you know, I gather probably interactions with like, uh, you know, rehab facilities with, uh, everything. This seems to be an indictment of, it seems to be an indictment of every part of the process of being a drug addict from the actual addiction itself to the way the criminal justice system attempts to rehabilitate it. Because it seems like the, like the song titles are, they're communicating a story, aren't they? There's a narrative yeah. arc, a progression through scenes. Uh, so, and I think, uh, that's very interesting. You know, there's, there is a deeper idea here and, uh, I think it plays out in really interesting ways. Where's he from uh, again? Uh, he is from Detroit. Oh, you've shown me that you've shown me this guy before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The syphilic stuff where it's just like, Mm -hmm. syphilic does legitimately have, even as a guy seasoned in this, some of the most distressing lyrics and artwork I've ever seen in death metal. It really is creepy in a different kind of way. Word. Yeah. All right. Well, that's so, interesting. I didn't, I didn't connect it with that guy. Yeah. 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 So, so you've got that, that whole urban decay thing that's uh, extending into this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but what have you got? Cause you're uh, you're a fan of the opening track as am I. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, surprise, surprise. I like the parts that sound like hardcore. So, let's go. <laughs> All right. Persistent astringency. Yes.
pretty cool thrash thrash riff we're rocking out on, and uh, some some well placed bribery at the end. <laughs> um, but for me, obviously, the part I loved was the part that sounds like Master Killer. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's a. I listening to this again. It's like, oh, this really is sort of <clears throat> this really is sort of like a hardcore intro track. It's like big preparatory breakdowns one after another, getting you hyped for the rest of it. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, personal just because personal taste wise, I wish there was more that sounded like this throughout the record. But yeah, mm-hmm. those big those moments where he like pulls out. So a lot of this is organized right around these sort of like. I guess it's the center of brutal death metal is these sort of like bombarding series of 16th note runs, right? Or like 32nd notes or whatever. And, you know, so when it breaks out of that to just crash on these big, you know, big kind of minor chords, that's fucking cool. Yeah, there's the way these riffs are... I, I guess because what you're talking about, especially with like the uh, the just really fast 16th note kind of mm-hmm. palm muted runs, I mean that's kind of like the brutal death version of Sargeist riffs written to a grid. It's like yeah yeah, yeah. Can, that makes yeah. sense. I mean I'm, there's a, a little bit of a different aspect just because in brutal death metal there is a a, a fascinating sort of athletic quality to the mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got an interview coming out soon where I talk to a guy and we talk about that a little bit, about how there's, a, unlike a lot of other styles of metal, there is a, an idea of consciously challenging yourself on the instrument. Um, well, but, speaking of which, what's cool, one thing is, so sometimes those can get, just because it's not my genre, right, sometimes those can get a little in, mm-hmm. indistinguishable for me. But usually when they're played at the sort of confident upper-mid-tempo, right after that big hardcore break... He starts doing the runs again, but he plays them like twice as fast as he does elsewhere on the record, and that's really cool. <laughs> it just all blurs yeah. together, right? Oh no, yeah, yeah. Brian is a uh, really, really outstanding guitarist, and for the most part, he really kind of strips things down on this and makes them a little more straightforward. But it does make those moments where the technicality really comes out super explosive in a way mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily anticipate up front. Um, yeah, no, I love I love those ignorant breakdowns. Those remind me a lot of uh, some of the stuff you would have heard off the uh, the Hanging Fortress record we covered last year. Ah, uh, yeah, it does sound like that. Yeah. Um, so for my first sample, we're gonna listen to a whole track because it's a short one. Uh, there's very interesting structural stuff oh. happening. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. One more hardcore thought. I bet this guy likes uh, Coldest Life. Oh, yeah, probably. Well, they were yeah. in Detroit, weren't they? Exactly, exactly, and a similar mood. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Coldest Life ter- are fucking crazy. Yeah, 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 heard, heard some crazy stories about those guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about them. They were, like, actual scary dudes. <laughs> yeah, beating the shit out of someone with a shovel, you know. Um. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so we got a track called Spray and Pray, um, and... This is, I, I think that this album is designed more out of, like, small groups of songs. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's there's sections of the record that form acts, I guess. Like, uh, mm-hmm. 
and you can kind of see that in the song titles too. Like you can see the uh, like the last three are all sort of an act together about you know the the rehab process or something like that. Uh, so the first four tracks, I believe, belong to a set this sort of preparatory set of extremely straightforward, brutal death tracks, and mm-hmm. then it veers off in its own direction. Uh, but I want to listen to Spray and Pray, the final of those four, and. I uh, just want to take a look at some of the structural ideas on it. There's a, a great sense of pacing. There's a lot of deliberateness. And very unusually for the style, there's a real melodic idea that is key to the whole song. So let's check it out. <laughs> very interesting to me because it is a brutal death song with a a definitive melodic center there's there's real iteration on a few distinct like phrygian phrases that are elaborated on and transformed throughout the song um 
and they're they're all very good riffs, but it's rare to see stuff in this style with such a coherent and deliberate melodic development, I feel. Yeah, so what would you um don't want to put you on the spot, but like what could you like hum the main melody? Which which do you hear the main melody as being? Because I there were certainly I, parts that stood out to me as catchy, but I I would say most of it's looping around a gesture a phrase something to the effect of dun 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 Yeah, I heard something like that too. Is it it comes out more in the rolling bass part about like a minute in. Yeah. Um I feel like this might be getting Yeah. Yeah, this might be my favorite track on the record. Just with like the straight it's doing that over the straight rolling double bass, that's a very satisfying just bang your head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that you're seeing a technique a little bit like uh, when we talked about something like molecular fragmentation, mm-hmm. where you, you're basically constructing a whole song out of a, a couple specific phrases, and you keep rearranging the big melodic parts and then breaking them up with these sections of sort of like mechanical thundering blast beats. Mm-hmm. Uh but as a result, it's constantly ratcheting up the tension, and it doesn't really resolve at the end of the song. This is this track actually bleeds into the following track, self-preservation. Um, so it's really just the opening part of this suite of two tracks, which I thought was also extremely interesting. Yeah, I think that's very important. Like the way it starts spilling towards the it's 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 a seamless transition. Um, do we want to go to the next one then? Yeah, yeah, because you actually got the uh, the beginning where it picks up. Yeah, this is um so yeah, you just we just finished that track, so here we go. Uh self-preservation.
Yeah, that really uh, that makes good on all the promises from Spray and Pray. <laughs> yeah, maybe I actually like this one better, or it's just a really strong two track sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that part where he's just like, um, it opens up a bit, and he's just like, you know, um, he's just kind of like fanning the guitar, like doing these sort of like fanned chugs. Yeah. Um, really catchy. Um, and I was thinking that part sounds kind of like a Morbid Angel thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Morbid Angel on this record. Like, especially once you get towards, <coughs> excuse me, once you get towards the back half where it gets a little or a lot weirder, you mm-hmm. start to hear more and more of Azekto. It's kind of like slide and bend uh, guitar mm-hmm. technique come in and become really crucial to the riffs themselves. But yeah, I would say that's definitely a very uh, kind of gateways to annihilation sort of Morbid Angel thing they're doing there. Word. And what about those kind of swarming guitars at the beginning? The sort of like cascading... Is that is that a Morbid Angel thing too? I mean, I think that's more of a... I think that's more of just a modern Brutal Death thing. I mean, the originating point mm-hmm. is probably... Uh, I mean, it could be Morbid Angel. It could be some of the weirder parts off, like, Breeding the Spawn by Suffocation. Mm, oh, I could hear that. It has that kind of liquid vibe, like Suffocation mm-hmm. liquid. Yeah, there's a lot of suffocation on this record. Uh, I mean, Well, I mean, there's a lot of suffocation on every Brutal Death record, but I think the reference points for this album are more like, uh, one, like, mid-era cryptopsy, like Whisper Supremacy. Mm-hmm. And I also hear a lot of skinless in it who are... Uh, you're probably not that familiar with them, I'm guessing. I've seen the logo. <laughs> yeah, the, the like skeleton bone logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Skinless is a really, really excellent New York death metal band who I kind of got short shrift because they're a little bit goofy. Mm-hmm. But they always had these remarkably intelligent song structures and a sense of groove that distance itself a little bit from like the the sort of like inner city thug thing of like dying fetus or internal bleeding and just i don't know they folded a lot of brutal death ideas back into old school death metal in a way Mm -hmm. that works really well which i think also happens on this record i think a lot of the riffing on this record is rooted in very traditional old school death metal just punched up in extremity yeah, for sure. I, I hear that on this track in particular. I uh, there's a really intense minute in the beginning of this where uh, he's doing the sort of um, the kind of more power chordy, old school death and kind of hardcore guitar still going underneath, but instead of playing the complex pattern, it's just hitting the root note, just like dong these sustained chords, and then over the top of it, he's doing the sixteenth note runs, and it's really tense. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot of interesting kind of channel play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have a lot of, like, continuous riffing in a single channel while the other one is just doing, like, massive supporting chords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does it, it does add to the the feeling of this album, which, which is, one, it's extremely, like, paranoid sounding. It's very kind of panicked and uh, anxious. But it's also got this sort of, this ominous quality, you know, there's so many of these kind of descending Phrygian patterns that'll get echoed back a half step lower, stuff like this. It's got this very morbid, ominous quality that I think is really interesting. 
For sure. All right, so last sample. Uh, this is probably my favorite track on the album. Uh, this is called In the Locker Room. Um, all bets are off on the second half of this record when it comes to guitar technique. Like uh, another track that I thought about sampling was one called Fentanyl, which is based off of these incredibly weird kind of watery arpeggiated patterns. It's pretty much all the riffs in the song are based on it. Mm -hmm. uh, just very strange stuff. But this is where uh, the section of the album where we get into really abstract kind of guitar technique. Uh, I think a lot of it's coming from like Gorgut's Obscura, but the more song-like moments of that record. So let's listen to basically the back half of this track, and you're going to hear a lot of things that you're kind of familiar with from bigger death metal bands, but interpreted in a radically different way. the new metal track <laughs> is that the new metal track <laughs> it grooves pretty hard man yeah it does it, groove uh, pretty hard it, at the end there it jumps it's... the fuck up um, yeah it does in in uh, the middle too it does sliding <laughs> oh i think that's i i think that's their interpretation of the uh the benedictine convulsions breakdown off none so vile oh you know with the slap cool. bass um, so really that whole passage is just the band kind of playing around with and exploring like two main melodic ideas, but what's going on is so interesting. It feels like there's way more happening. Uh, obviously the drum performance really kind of gets into its own on the second half of the album where there's more room to breathe 
uh, you get to hear, you know, the, the really nice, uh, the drum production is actually really excellent on this. The arrangement of all the pieces around the sonic space is really cool to hear. Uh, there's a sense of spaciousness despite how dense this music is that I really love. Um, but what's interesting to me is that this is one of those kind of textured, horizontal death metal passages that's kind of like something you would hear in an ulcerate song. Mm-hmm. But tonally, it's so different because of you know the, the relative lack of reverb and the really sharp, incisive guitar tone you get something altogether different. It's not supposed to wash over you. You know, you're supposed to really hone in on it and experience it. Yeah, no, I found this one very catchy. Uh, yeah, especially there's there's some part in the middle that I'd be hard-pressed to identify exactly, but at this very cool sliding... I guess it was the one you were saying that sort of uh, patterns on that uh, cryptopsy breakdown. But, mm-hmm. um yeah. I for sure hear the ulcerate and stuff here and on the uh, a couple of the a couple of the earlier tracks too. Um, yeah, this one's good. This one bangs. <laughs> well, I guess so. I guess my my thesis question about this record is, I think so. I've listened to this a couple times and I really like it. I think if I listen to it more, I'm gonna like actually think like love it and think it's a mm-hmm. truly great record. I'm wondering, is this the move that Brutal Death needs to do where they're pulling back ever so slightly on the speed and technicality just to to make this music more readable? Because you're obviously you're never going to you know confuse this with so-called regular death metal. But it feels by like by peering back on the excess just a hair a whole world of possibilities open up in this. Yeah, I think that's fair. And when they want to make it illegible on purpose, they just, that then becomes a, a tool in their kit instead of just the way it is the whole time. Right? Yeah. Like when it gets extremely technical and chaotic, now it has a lot of impact here. Yeah. I I think that's, I, I do like that about this. I feel like to me, I think the strongest tracks are from spray and pray through in the locker room. I'd say yeah, that's that is a a brick of songs that it, it's like far away. Yeah. There's there's a clear thread there, and they're all excellent. Yeah, I don't know if it was just the fact that me not being a brutal death guy I was a little tired by the end, but to me the last four didn't have the same kind of impact. Uh, I thought the first three are solid, and then the middle that middle sequence is just really strong. Oh um, yeah, no, I would agree. It's it's interesting. It, because I know it's like, you know, I, I enjoyed the first few tracks, but then I heard Spray and Pray, and that really perked my ears up. And it continued. I, I like all the tracks, but definitely through In the Locker Room. Totally agree. There's something about that sequence there that mm-hmm. I really want to see expanded on. But yeah, and you know, this also has the Brutal Death Incorporating Ulcerate thing that we predicted. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, Well, you know, a lot of people have been doing it, and it's... It's interesting. I, I think that as well, maybe Death didn't started. so much. Maybe it doesn't turn out that maybe it turns out it's not so much that we predicted it as we we thought. Oh, is this a thing that's going on? And then it turned out that is what is going on. Yeah, and I I think that I actually in this uh, this interview that we have coming mm-hmm. out, uh, guy I was speaking to mentioned the real crucial point, and I'm starting to think that it might be this band more than Ulcerate these guys are listening to, which is Disentomb. Uh, which, if you're not familiar with them, they're a an Australian brutal death metal band with a lot of 
kind of old school doom death ideas tucked in mm-hmm. there also. And it ends up sounding in a roundabout way a lot like Ulcerate. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I agree that sort of more space in part... Like, I'd love to hear more of those ringing hardcore part moments just out of personal bias, but like, in general, (laughs) more breathing room for distinct melodic ideas that then get carried through the crazy parts is a good idea. Um, uh, Also, we should talk about the cover of this record. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we should. Oof. That is really good and really horrible. (laughs) Yeah, so essentially it's a zombie scene, but... It's just meth addicts. (laughs) They're just people. Yeah, they're just people on meth. Um, They're just the most horrid, epic meth alley ever, and it has every single... Every single depraved act you've seen on a Brutal Death cover, it has. But just all Mm -hmm. in this, like too real math context i i like uh i i like the one guy in particular um uh, who is like the lighting kind of draws your eye to him right of center the guy leaning up against the garbage can with his meth pipe while shakily pointing a revolver out at the crowd in front of him i yes i I I also saw that one yeah i think that's the guy i think that's the protagonist it's from his, this, this is the hero, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will they make it out alive? Um, I, I don't want to hurt anyone. I just want to be here smoking my meth. Yeah, back off. Um, <laughs> um, hey, hey, I'm smoking here. <laughs> I'm smoking. Back, back off. I think this is loaded. How's it going? Connor here from Oncology, and you're listening to Terminus. All right, we are back with our final record of the night. And uh, Upon the Altar, Absit Ab Ordine Luminous, by also released on Putrid Cult, who also did, uh, as you said, the Zari Wilk record that we covered a couple weeks back. And uh, I does this cement Putrid Cult as, like, bang, like, right to the top of our radar or what? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I don't think we've ever... I didn't re- I think we we usually try not to cover too much from one label at a time. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time we've covered this is the shortest succession of stuff by one label I think we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, how long ago was it that we did Sorry Will? Is that three weeks ago? Yeah, two, three weeks ago, something like that. Well yeah. What a strong uh set of releases from different but you know, I mean you can you can hear it's not there's not opposite sides of the universe but very different styles, mm-hmm. um, you know the Zari Wilk sort of like triumphant uh tri- triumphant pagan black metal heavy metal, this is, you know rumbling rumbling black <laughs> death war metal. Yeah, now pinning this down into a uh, a particular style is kind of challenging. I mean, it's got a lot in common with a lot of different things. Um, you know, it's 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 got that war metal kind of like rumbling quality to it. Mm-hmm. Almost sort of like, a, uh, you know, like antediluvian or something like that occasionally. Spiritually similar in some ways, yeah. But it's also got a lot more straight up kind of heavy metal in its DNA than you typically mm-hmm. hear. As well as a lot of just primordial extreme metal. And I think 
I'm going to get into it, but I think that's where the heart lies on this music. It's uh, it, in an interesting interpretation of what being a black or death metal means. Yeah, for sure. This is um, the the uh, the press material insists that this is um, death metal. It says uh, uh, metal uh, early '90s cult of death. Actually, maybe it doesn't say death metal. Uh, expedition to dangerous cemeteries where ritual mutilations go hand in hand with bodily pleasures. Okay, well that could be everything. Um, <laughs> uh, never mind. So it just says metal, all caps. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's relates to what you were saying. Yes, this is. In some ways, this is very arty, but it is not at all um, remote or sort of refined. These guys will, given the opportunity, these guys will always go for the big gut punch moment, but they'll do it in a very smart way that is unique. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very arty, but art people will not listen to this. It, this is um, art in a, This is art in the sense that we like. Right. Yeah. This, is, yeah, this is the kind of art that Terminus is all about supporting. hundred percent. No, I, 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 this is, uh, another record that will almost certainly be on my year end list. I absolutely love this. Uh, this is one of the pet niches that I really fixate on musically because this has the fingerprints of stuff like Profanatica and have mm -hmm. uh, old old primordial incantation as well as like Vaughn and demon C and stuff like this all over it it's mm -hmm. uh I, I would say as far as stuff that we've covered the two closest things that this is going to be to are the cultum and teradum record we covered last year which i believe was also polish yes uh, yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised I, if they knew those guys yeah as well as the uh pro sanctus in fairy record hypnotic mm -hmm. blood art mm -hmm. yeah they're they're pulling from a very similar set of influences, and a lot of people pull from these influences. But what they do with it is what really makes it. I I, I fucking love this thing, like I, every I, second of it. I, I love it too. This is sort of a thing, definitely in the category of thing bands that sort of fill a niche. I kind of always wanted filled. Does that make sense? It's like yeah, it's um. Like something like it's a little like concrete wins in that sense, where it sort of shows you it's like, oh yes, this is what I. And it's kind of it's a lot like it's way different from concrete wins superficially, but in terms of the kind of uh, music adjacent extreme brutality that sounds very new by tapping into primordial extreme metal, this is very similar to that. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. This is um, this is such a perfect execution of so many different established ideas and it, it's done so fluidly and in such a relaxed manner that it really comes into its own. It's comparable to a hundred things, but no band really sounds like this. So death metal guy, why don't you tell us about the influences? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> Uh, late last year, I interviewed R from Numa Hagion. We were talking about Void Gazer, uh, his first full length. And uh, me and him have talked for a long time, but something he said on the show was talking about his perspective of early extreme metal, uh, particularly like as a teenager. And something he said stuck with me, which was that 
you know, he, we were both huge fans of Vaughn. I mean, me and him go way back, so we listen to a lot of the same stuff. And he said, you know, I mean, everyone refers to him as black metal, but I always just saw Vaughn as a death metal band. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of get that. And I can also kind of get Beharit's Drawing Down the Moon as kind of like a death metal album. I mean, it's it's as similar, you know, in construction to Incantation as it is to Dark Throne, even if it's thematically different. And then th- just extending that further, Incantations Onward to Golgotha is kind of like a black metal record in a lot of ways, too, unintentionally. Um... So what I'm really getting at is, first of all, the the delineation between these genres. Everyone knows that it was much more porous back then, but they don't really feel that. They still think everything slots into a category. And I think that what happens on old Profanatica, old Vaughn, uh, early Incantation, Beharit, all that stuff is extremely important. And I think that we lost something when we stratified the genres down into these much firmer lines than they were back then. I don't know if a record like Drawing Down the Moon can be made today, you know, because it's just not the way we think about this music anymore. But I think that these guys here uh, upon the altar are part of a new group of bands reaching back into that well and taking it exactly for what it was, which is this primordial occult extreme music and bringing it back and it's one of the most exciting things happening in extreme metal to me today yeah it's a sort of it's more like the kind of um the raw brutal analog to what hessian firm is doing with dark metal right yeah yeah no this is, those guys yeah. are tapping into this era of Places where, you know, bands like Sentenced or At The Gates started doing black metal things and very death metal things or ways that sort of ornate high elven black metal like Dawn or something, bringing all that together in unexpected ways that uh, makes good on something that was kind of going on back then. But like, Mm -hmm. again, is about grasping these commonalities at the roots of both genres and pulling out kind of bringing out you drawing on the strengths of both and bringing out something new oh yeah yeah i mean this is the realization of something i've done a lot of i've I've played a lot of music kind of in this vein before and this is one of the first bands i've heard that really captures exactly what i imagined where you're combining this sort of austere minimalism and rigor of black metal Mm -hmm. but with the 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 tonal ideas and just being really fucking heavy like death metal <laughs> you know i mean I, I i think i described you at one point that my ideal band is like vaughn on an eight string you know? and this mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. approaches that remarkably closely sometimes all right well why don't we show them uh why don't we show them the heaviness this is the first track crown of weakness by the second riff i knew this was brilliant Yeah. <laughs> 
dude, that guitar tone just sounds like grave dirt. <laughs> like, like not, not, not it being shoveled or moved, just the sound of the dirt as it exists as a physical <laughs> substance. It's so fucking awful and awesome. Yeah, just resonating grave dirt. Um, dude, so do you catch that second riff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just so, the, the one that it's just a note. Yes, the second riff is one note. So the first riff is just like, and then there's like one or two other chords after it. And then as soon as it opens up into the groove, it's just one note. Um, Yeah, it's... Which is like my ideal for this style. Oh, no, uh, I think that... It, honestly, it was, it's so... Because you called this out before I did it, which was, uh, you know, like in your notes on it, this is so remarkably similar to a lot of my own music that I've done. It's like, these guys are listening to exactly the same things that I'm fixated on. And it's just very strange to hear it coming from someone else, you know? There's similar kinds of play with space here. Um, and mm -hmm. parts of, although it's got a very robust low end in, in a way that your stuff deliberately de-emphasized, there's still kind of a hollow quality in, to the sound. It's yeah, not it's classically definitely. it's not classically cavernous, but it's very ghastly. Yeah, it's got that that negative space thing. Yeah, you got the grave dirt low end, and then there's just a bunch of kind of uh, floating spectral fry noise over it. Yeah, oh, it's so um, sick. Also, love those just totally fucking blown ride for revenge. Moments. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's that none of it is actually cranked up that loud. Except for maybe the low end. Everything else is... And the low end and drums are loud, but, like, vocals are back, too. The higher guitar stuff is back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... It, it does... It is oddly quiet, in a sense. But that's just because it it's so infused with low-end rumble that you mm -hmm. can't really raise anything else without it clipping to death. Yeah, this album basically has sub-bass. Oh, yeah. The, the rumble... Uh, well, I mean, like, one of my other favorite bands that I fixate on is uh, Grave Upheaval. And this is much more like music than Grave Upheaval, but it's got a very similar vibe going on. Yeah, um, also just, I've, speaking of that, I got a, uh, got a Galaxy brand name for you. Which is, uh, one, <laughs> one, uh, no brain, uh, play notes. So that's your uh, your average blasphemy or revenge clone, okay? You know, it's is your your just your Phrygian scale power chords, okay? Number two, don't play notes. That's Deifago, <laughs> a, a band that you know you can't say they don't have a certain something, but uh, does not not you know it's 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 kind of once you've heard thirty seconds of it, you've heard it. Um, yeah, three. Play so many notes you can't hear them. Uh, <laughs> conqueror or uh, impetuous ritual. Four, play notes backwards. Antediluvian, portal. Five, play one note upon the altar. <laughs> it, it really is. And no, no, there's a sample uh, that I pull later on in this record where it's like, how ghastly and austere can we make these ultra low single string mm -hmm. tremolo runs be and it's like mm -hmm. 
it's like, and it doesn't even make sense because we're out of those. We're out of every like tritone sequence played on single string tremolo. But it's like, <laughs> fuck it, it still works, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh... all right. So, just perfect uh, metal name generator for a song, for an album, for a band, for a lyric, for any idea. It's like this was came out of an ideal metal phrase machine. We have to sample the track "Wolves of Napalm." Wolves. Wolves of Napalm. I just want that to hang in the air for a little bit. That that's what this fucking song is called. And, uh, yeah, it's glorious. So <laughs> the, let's heaviest, to... the heaviest plural in, in metal. <laughs> yeah. it's... It really is. Oh, wait, um... you know what? On Oh, crap. <sighs> On the band camp, they spelled it right. Oh, okay, I gotcha. So Damn, just... there's some, there's some even. So okay, well, I guess we have fan. Did did someone spell it differently on the YouTube? Uh, on the YouTube and on Metal Archives. So I guess it was put out that way at some point. But I don't well, know. Uh, we're gonna choose wolves because that's crushing. I think wolves of napalm rules. Yes. So let's listen to um, let's listen to the first half or so of this song where the main riff is basically a dark funeral riff played in Z flat and it rules. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> I think one of the most impressive things about this record is that they managed to make this really abstract style of Black Death really moshable. Dude, yeah. When, I mean, the rolling double bass are... Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just a giant pit riff. But it's like... But it's also just this insanely austere 
like stern black death riff and it's it's so elemental i mean we've probably heard that exact riff before in oh i think a lot of i think that's on a grave record it's probably on a grave record on the first grave record yeah. yeah yeah it's probably also on like uh it's i mean it's probably on an incantation record it's probably on demon c record mm-hmm. uh it's also probably weirdly enough like on carcasses symphonies of sickness or something it's mm-hmm. uh it's primordial extreme music like it's just this really dark cluster of minor scale notes played all within a single octave which is like the elemental black or death metal riff configuration, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, and I mean, honestly, a lot of the, the heavy lifting on this record is done by just the, the, the timbre of this music is off the fucking charts. Like when we yes. were talking about, when we were talking about Altered Dead, talking about how the, the sheer force of the production and the timbre of the instruments transformed it completely. A similar thing is happening here. Like, this is one of the best produced records I've heard in a long time for a specific purpose and style. Agree. I love the sound. I could, you know, it's so... If you're into this shit, this is very pleasant to listen to. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you could listen to this, you know... uh, if we lived in the same location, we'd listen to this while getting super drunk, right? But, like, you could... could, you could also listen to this while I mean I have listened to this while like doing work. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like good atmospheric music too, and it just fucking rolls along. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's it really. I mean, I I think the mark of a great record. I mean, one one possible mark of a great record is its versatility in listening, mm-hmm. and this I could listen to at any time. Just like fuck it, just put it on start to finish. Don't give a fuck, and I have a great time no matter what's going on. That's pretty much true. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, also I I mentioned it on the last track. Want to reiterate? I am in love with these vocals. The completely excessive delay on everything. It's like Ride for Revenge, and that's great. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's kind of like hearing... That can be a device that's used to cover up the fact that somebody can't do harsh vocals. That is not mm-hmm. the case here. Um, and it sounds really good. Yeah, there was a specific part during there where I was like, shit, those delayed... Like, just hearing the vocals delay, I was like, that's so heavy. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just so... It's so fucking excessive. And mm-hmm. it's just... It's it's awesome. It does make it feel genuinely fucking occult and crazy. I just, I, I really, I'm just fanboying out. It's just like, yeah, no, this is basically a perfect record. Uh, very little I can say about it. You know, it's just, I mean, you just listen to it. It's great. Yeah, we're just gonna keep saying it's heavy. Um, yeah, basically, know, we're we're gonna become those metal reviewers. You, you know, you know what this has in common with Zari Wilk, the headbang quality. Yeah, it does. Like both yeah. of them are written for headbanging and they actually emphasize sort of uh they emphasize bit hefty mid-tempo riffs mm-hmm. yeah no i think um, uh yeah because that is something that probably should be emphasized a little more on this show which is you know we love these really kind of like abstract fringy things mm-hmm. but at the same time there is a very welcome spot at the table for stuff that is heavy metal in the traditional sense. 
Yeah, and this is arty and distinctive and also that. You know, kind of like Mongrel's Cross does that quite well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, all right, cool. So, Blasphemara Absence Fides. Uh, we're going to start from the beginning and uh, basically just one strength of this record is the drumming, which is uh, basically riffing in its own right. Um, mm-hmm. And often... Uh, shapes the riffs above them it sometimes seems like the guitar parts are being written around the drums not that not that the drums is the only instrument that matters but like the guitarists are responsive to the drummer Mm -hmm. all right so let's start from uh the beginning of this track and uh let's roll really fucking awesome just the weird staggering kick drum there is very very strange and awesome i mean that's like a stroke of genius oh yeah i love that this is you know so one of the great weaknesses or limitations of certain kinds of primitive black death is that it's drum music written around the riffs Mm mm-hmm so if you are blasphemy or Diocletian, you can write cool war metal riffs that are still very minimal, yeah, power chordy or single string trem, and you can uh, fill in just really brutal drums under that, and 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 the drums will have a lot of impact. But if you're not, um, what you get is a lot of just like really generic, um 
kind of slinky minor scale thrashing with just loud drums that are locked into boring patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just, yeah, you could hear, you could really hear how the drums were like the lead melody there, right? Yeah, they're directing it's, the action of the guitars. Yeah, and so and and it's so fluid. You get that sort of like bouncing, bouncing broken blast, and then we're into the more sort of rolling beats. Um, or it's it's like into more of a tri- no, it's into then this like pounding. Dun, 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 you know, th- he's a master of the heavy half blast, which is like the best mm-hmm. thing in the war metal toolkit. Just like great toms and bass throughout. Um, and then eventually we just get to this roll, and that's one of his big things. Just um, and you know that you can swing your arms around, you know, knock a drink out of someone's hand, get beaten up by the bouncers. But yeah, um, it's that part is great too, and I, I I love the solo. Yeah, that's something that's worth talking about. Is like the bizarre atmospheric lead guitar stuff that happens across this record it's like it 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 seems they seem to be exclusively made out of just like dive bombs and and like horrible trill notes and stuff it's like they it's all the like big breaks between phrases in a solo but without any of the notes in between it's so fucking cool yeah, that's how it should be. I mean, I, I feel like maybe people are starting to figure that out now or just go for it. What what it is, is there's a commendable lack of ego to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I'm not showing off how great I am at guitar. I'm not playing a guitar solo. This is fucking black death metal, right? Um, <laughs> it's it's it, like I'm is... just making, I'm, I'm making noise to indicate my pleasure at playing guitar, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the old school, you know, it's like the grind. Like, this is noise, not music, thank you. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and where the guitar, where that technique is coming from, it is ultimately coming from uh, Discharge and Carrie King. Right, who mm-hmm. are yeah, my yeah, two favorite definitely. soloists. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but like, this is way more. You know, there's way more. There's lots more you can do with it, right? There's way more like reverb here and psychedelic stuff. Um, who were we? Oh, Kalakuma on the last episode also had these kind mm-hmm. of ego-free solos, and his were more oriented around melody, but they were similarly like. Not about playing a rock solo in a metal song. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the the idea of the the noise solo as atmospheric tool is a big deal. And I mm-hmm. want to start seeing people compose riffs just out of those things. There, there's know? so much you can do with that. Oh, yeah. just Well, I mean, there's so much to just from... Which people have done well, Once you're dealing with Ron... Once you're dealing with raw noise, there's just infinite sonic space, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, well, you know, Luke LeMay from Gorgots talking about uh, when they wrote Obscura and how they were they were just kind of, like, humming ideas and making mouth sounds and just, like, making noises. And then they wrote the guitars to, like, translate those noises. It's like, when we start getting everyone writing riffs like that, there we go. That's that's the next best thing, is the abolishment of the note as the main form of musical expression. This is certainly, yes, this is one note slash no notes. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So, speaking of no notes, or a few notes either very carefully chosen or completely randomly chosen, I'm not <laughs> sure. <clears throat> Title track, Absid Ab Ordine Luminous. Uh, so, I think this is the closest I've heard <clears throat> heard another band actually get to the record Joined in Darkness by Demon Sea, which, if anyone's listening and hasn't heard that, it's probably one of the ten best metal records ever made. It's 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 unstoppable. It's like the most evil thing ever created. Um, so Demon Sea, if you haven't heard them, it's insanely rigorously minimal black metal that actually just sounds kind of like death metal to me. Uh, riffs of literally three single string tremolo notes drawn out for unbelievable lengths and you're gonna get to hear these guys do the same thing here and i propose we bring back a crucial primordial usbm technique which is the riff where nothing happens very specifically <laughs> Nothing happens in that riff. It's It's got literally no motion except gravity to it. It just congeals in on itself. And all those are usually bad features that you find in bad riffs. But here it's basically perfect because the tone of this music is so perfectly established. It's just like a pool of blood forming under someone. It's... Ooh. It's a completely different effect from you, what you usually get in a metal riff. Well, that's that a good what, example of what you said about the soil, right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a quality. We talked about this, especially early on the show, the idea of like, oh, death metal is like a, a music made of matter. Mm. And then this that's one of the most death metal aspects about this. This is material music. It's got a physical quality. Like you could reach out and touch any of yeah. what's being played here. 
Yeah, and they're the kind of, yeah, usually formlessness is the kind of thing I complain about endlessly in a riff, but they're like, you know, sounds stupid, but the formlessness is the form, right? Like, oh, yeah. And it's being used there, they're doing with power chords what they do in the noise soloing, which is breaking out of, uh, you know, basically like the melodic, keeping keeping the, the same intervals as a death metal riff while breaking out of the conventional melodic parameters for it. Yeah, no, it's uh, because this is exactly the same thing that Demon Sea would do where it's like, I mean, you could have you could have like a really stripped down black metal riff with just a few notes in it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's just it's so elongated. You forget where the riff begins oh, and ends. So that's something I was going to say. Yes, this is a good example of doing. It's a possibility that opens up because of the death metal influence, right? Black metal riffs kind of should have definite shape and drive, and they're usually shorter, right? Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's like why not when your riff when your riffing principle allows you to just do random chromatics and is supposed to sound bizarre and otherworldly, like you might as well just yeah, you, you have range to try that, right? Yeah, it's just just fucking just hold that note forever. Mm-hmm. And then just when you slip to the chromatic you know what it's also like? It's also like the totally insane emotionless tremolo riffs you hear in mortician Mm, yeah this is just all your favorite bands this is all yes this is the i swear to god these guys are like tapped into my brain this is (laughs) this is like my my ideal place in extreme metal you know is all of these convergent ideas and then i've made music that attempted to unify all of them and these guys have done it. You know, they these are the people, the only other people on the planet who, like me, saw the direct thread between demency and mortician. And they decided to make a band out of it. <laughs> Fuck yes.